Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this very, very special edition of the Empire Podcast dedicated to the one and only Alan Partridge who has returned to our screens with this time with Alan Partridge back on the BBC after how many years away? 24 or something like that? which makes me feel incredibly old. I'm not going to be scaling the heights of Chatmandu by myself. I have two accomplished psychic Simons with me. First off, we have Nick DeSemlin. You know him from the Empire podcast. How are you, Nick? Oh, oh God. It had to be done. We got out of the way. We got out of the way early. All right. Can I, I guess, well, my, I'll, just do, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. Knowing me, Chris Hewitt. Knowing you, Nick DeSemlin. Oh, oh, hello. There we go. Hello. There we go. It was, it was, yeah, it was going to descend into the sooner that or later. Was, that was it awful. was inevitable. Uh, the second voice you're hearing, sorry, I'll do it again. Knowing me, Chris Hewitt. Knowing you, Boyd Hilton from Heat and the Pilot TV podcast. Aha! Aha! How are um, you? It's good. This is the official Pilot TV uh, Empire podcast crossover episode, isn't it? Really? This is, yeah. Apart from being about Alan Partridge, I feel it's essentially about that as well. <laughs> Keith... It's yeah, going to be it's thrilled. A, it's a beautiful thing. The, the tension yeah. is thick in this room. Yeah. You could cut it. It, yeah. it. It's possibly sexual tension, but I wouldn't want to comment on that. But uh, but yeah, boy, we're, we're reaching out, hands across the yeah. water. In some ways, this is a special episode of the Pilot TV podcast. <laughs> That's how I regard it. See, I look at it as a special, very special edition of the Empire podcast. Uh, it could even be a very, very special edition of the Pilot TV podcast. I think it is a very, very, very special edition of the Pilot TV podcast. Uh, Boyd has forgotten more about TV than I will ever know. Uh, so, where would you rank this in the great TV crossovers? Uh, for example, let me mm-hmm. think off the top of my head. Wasn't there an episode of CSI where yeah. Anthony DePaglia turned up from Without a Trace? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's probably the best crossover ever. Yeah. Until until <laughs> right. now. Until now. This is it. We've, we've bettered it. <laughs> is there anything, any other great crossovers that you Ooh. you can think of? I'm not talking about Mulder and Scully turning up in The Simpsons. That's, that's yeah, just yeah, that's yeah. a nonsense. Or Millennium. <laughs> or Millennium, indeed. Uh, or Munch, Detective mm. John Munch. Mm. Yeah, Richard Belzer mm-hmm. Holds the record for the, uh, I think, the highest number of appearances by an actor in a single role on different shows. I think you trot that stat out um, fairly frequently, Chris. I do trot it out. As a listener on to all of, your, <laughs> all of your Empire podcast specials, <laughs> if in doubt, the Belzer. Trot well, out the Belzer stat. Well, you know, Boyd, I would trot it out on the Pilot TV <laughs> podcast, but I'm apparently not allowed within five feet of that well, one. Oh, so. you know. There you go. Got to be careful. Anyway, we've got that tension out of the way. It's all good. Yes. We're going to be chatting all about Partridge. But first, we're going to hear from the two men who, along with Steve Coogan, obviously, uh, you couldn't do Alan Partridge without Steve Coogan. But uh, we're going to hear from the two men who have revitalized Partridge over the last few years. They are the writers and the co-divisors of this time. They were huge contributors and writers behind Mid-Morning Matters, Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa, and all sorts of Partridge paraphernalia over the last few years. They are, of course, the Gibbons brothers, Neil and Rob Gibbons. I chatted to them earlier on this week for the Empire Podcast. You'll hear it in the introduction. The Empire Podcast. Here Pilot we go. TV. <laughs> Neil and Rob Gibbons. Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined by the writers and directors of The Glorious Return of Alan Partridge, this time with Alan Partridge, Neil Gibbons and Rob Gibbons. How are you? Very good. Very good. Very well. Thank, Thank you. For having us. Uh, well, thanks for coming in because this is the morning after the night before. You know, Partridge's triumphant return to the BBC. Twitter was was flooded with praise for the show last night. You must be fairly happy. Yeah. Well, we were we were actually filming another Partridge thing last night. We were filming a Partridge sketch for uh, Comic Relief. Oh, okay. So we were filming that from lunchtime till about eleven at night. So we we didn't we weren't aware of what was happening when it was going out, but. Um, 
Yeah, oh, the people one. hated it. Yeah, oh, did they? Yeah. 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 Oh, oh my god! From that, yeah. By, uh, Wimbledon Studio, so that's good. Hated it. Yeah, <laughs> there were there were pitchforks, there were torches, there were all sorts of stuff. <laughs> so you weren't checking stuff. You weren't checking Twitter. You, you I know, checked you afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I checked afterwards over a beer, and uh, it uh, seems to have gone down pretty well. Uh huh. It's 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 strange. I, right? I just had Weetabix. Yeah, we we kind of we don't really sort of test the stuff that we make before it goes out. Right, okay. Um, and we're sort of quite a tight unit, so we don't uh, really have an inkling of whether something's going to be good or or rubbish <laughs> until it goes out. So Obviously, just, you, get, you get previews and you get sort of, you know, we had a screening a couple of weeks ago, so you do get a bit of feedback from that, but it was, uh, we were still in a bit of a bubble until last night. But is it too late at that point? If you if you're oh yeah yeah it's way too late yeah yeah it's way too late. But but the thing is if you do if you do screens like that you can get yeah. swayed by things that you shouldn't get swayed by and you don't hold your course. Oh, that's interesting. If but if you just if you just sort of go on laugh volume and 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 yeah. frequency of laughs yeah um, you kind of lose sight of you know an arc. <laughs> Listen to me uh, as if it has an arc. Um, yeah, and you I, I think you can be sort of a bit blown off course by that. So so mm. we tend not to do that but it's also uh, just a, a, a by virtue of the fact that we tend to be running behind schedule so we don't really have the luxury of time oh, okay so i suppose the weird the weird thing is from sort of a technical point of view if you do those testing screenings what we're not actually looking for the maximum number of laughs mm. per se we're looking for the right kind of laughs mm. Because to give a sort of basic example, you, you might get a laugh from a fairly crude joke, but tonally, that's not where we want the programme to sit. So yeah. you have to be thinking about, is it funny, but is it the right kind of funny as well? Mm. Which does end up frying your brain a bit. But <laughs> it fried our brain in this. I mean, we didn't do those screenings, but we had a clear sense of sort of the d tonal direction we wanted it to go in. Yeah. Um, but when you've been editing for... Our edit period was due to be, I don't know, maybe th two or three months, and it ended up being about six, so... Mm. We and we, we go over stuff in kind of crazily forensic detail. We'll go second by second through every piece of footage we shot, and then we'll build first pass at an edit. But then when we've got it to a point where it's up pretty much working, we might then go back because what sometimes will happen is when you're looking at the rushes, looking you're looking for the good stuff. Yeah, something that in the, in the first pass you'll think that's just not going to work. That's that, that doesn't fit. When you've constructed it. You go back again. You think, well, actually, the thing that didn't look like it was right actually now fits in with the new version of the the Frankenstein that we've made. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, rather than just going over the rushes once, you might have to go over them two or three times. And by that point, you become completely you snow blind. You become blind to it. Yeah. So it's it's, it's really difficult just to mm. keep in mind is that thing funny and try <laughs> to remember was it funny originally and yeah. remember to trust your original instinct. Because it's sort of not that hard to trust your original instinct, but what's hard is to remember what that instinct was three months down the line. Oh, okay. So how, how much do you shoot for a, for a, an average episode? Is there is there tons of deleted scenes on the on the cutting room well, floor the, already? Well, we didn't really have um, that luxury with this time. Just the nature of the format means that it has to run as a continuous piece. Mm. So um, they couldn't throw to something, and then we just take it out <laughs> I mean we had we had to have it yeah. so we had to make every bit work um, so there isn't actually that much scrap material left on the cutting room floor for this one no, normally this for the film we did it was 90 minutes but we shot double that so we had th the, the first <laughs> pass was three hours and then we when we got rid of the stuff that wasn't good enough we certainly didn't have 90 minutes we had maybe 70 
Wow. And then we had to go and we had to fix stuff and do some reshoots. And yeah. You do sort of think, hang on, I was on like chromopia in two degree temperature for four days. It feels like a bit of a waste of time. When <laughs> <laughs> you're going back to do a reshoot and you think, oh, God, well, like, we, we, we spent four days doing that and we yeah. used about eight seconds of it. But that's, that's kind of the way these things work. I mean, I remember the, um, the Sucker Brothers and Jim Abrahams would talk very openly about their test screening process on Airplane and how they would just jettison stuff. And Adam McKay and, you know, that, that, that group of American mm, yeah, uh, directors yeah. will just do alt after alt after alt after alt and they'll do reshoots and, and they, they don't make any bones about that and yeah. that's, kind of, that's kind of the process yeah, yeah it's yeah. amazing uh, the number of people you talk to in comedy for whom that is um, that seems like an unusual process mm. it seems fairly obvious to us and those guys that you just mentioned obviously do it as well because ultimately if it's not funny how, how can it stay but uh, it seems that in quite a lot of some people we've spoken to in the industry that seems like almost an unusual process to go <laughs> no we have to keep going until it's right yeah I guess some of it does come down to the boring business of budgets but uh, yeah of course yeah yeah. Absolutely. so going back very quickly to Alpha Papa and that reshoot on Cromer Pier uh, did Michael die in those initial he was always he was always he, 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 he always threw himself off. He always threw himself off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's well, use the but, D word. Uh, okay, yeah. and that's the okay. Yeah, that's not do that. <laughs> um, so going back to uh, this time and the idea of the format for it, which is a, a sort of play on the one show and, and sort of those magazine shows that you know that are on TV quite a lot this morning as well. Um, where did that where did that come from? Was that something that you sat down with Steve? Do you have a list basically of formats? Because since you became custodians. Of of Alan, so to speak, you know, you've done audiobooks, you've done a film, you did a bit Morning Matters. It seems that you like to play with format and style. I think to the first thing is to a certain extent that that idea of Alan trying different things is sort of baked into who he is because even before we came on board, he'd, he'd been a sports presenter and a chat show host, and then you'd seen him in the Travel Tavern, so that was sort of established. Um, so I think it wasn't a great leap for us to think we should continue doing that. But whilst it seems like, um, it might, from a writing perspective, your initial thought is, oh, that, that's great, because when we can do something new, we just have loads of new ideas, that'll be easier than having to sort of do more stuff with Alan, I mm. don't know, for example, in the Travel Tavern. But actually, when you get down to the brass tacks of it, it's, um, it's harder to have a blank canvas than to have a canvas that's got a certain number of colours, and you, if you're only allowed to use three or four colours, that sort of focuses the mind. Mm. When you can do anything, as you can in a magazine show, by their very nature, you can go anywhere. Yeah. Um, that amount of freedom actually ends up being a bit more difficult. I um, think it's in terms of... Uh, I don't think we've had our you know, magazine shows in our crosshairs particularly, and we weren't intended on spoofing him. Um, I think it was more that we had... We've seen Alan on a downward spiral, really, since No Me, No You. Mm. And there's only so far down that you can keep going before it becomes <laughs> diminishing returns. You know, like, I mean, he's, well, he's broadcasting on mid-morning matters to a few hundred people, probably. I don't know. I mean, um, it's, so, it was, so we decided to give him another shot, you know, to yeah. give him a sort of ladder rather than a snake. And <laughs> when you start thinking of a, 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 a or semi-believable way that he could get back into the world of, of TV sort of magazine shows just feel like the, the best fit you know I yeah. can't really see what other format he might have been just parachuting into yeah and also because of the because of of, of the nature of those shows going out five nights a week mm. there is a sort of not to denigrate those shows at all but there's a there's a, a, a naturally a, a laxer um, 
quality control to them. So you can just <laughs> just about believe that a frazzled producer might think, oh, I don't know, just yeah, whoever, whoever, just get this guy. Fine, I'm sure. You know, he's, he's got a local radio audience. He's done TV before. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah, um, he killed someone, but it's, t- it's totally fine. No, we've all killed people. That's, <laughs> you, know, you can't have a go at someone. For I that. suppose the other thing is in episode one, he's the the conceit is that he's standing in for the mate, the regular host. But that's not to say that he was the next on the Alan was next on the list they probably for whatever reason five six seven eight people couldn't do it <laughs> i think i've been there <laughs> i know that feeling all too well um so you you didn't consider for example uh, a podcast an alan partridge podcast or perhaps skirmish <laughs> finally <laughs> finally seen skirmish well i think uh generally our approach is to avoid all previous stuff from the canon <laughs> yeah let, let it exist in its own you know history um, but uh, I think the podcast thing is interesting. I could definitely see Alan doing that. Yeah. Um, and actually, there are other formats on our list, one of which we're, um, I don't know if we can talk about it, but we're about to shoot another Partridge series. We're going to mm. film it in May for the BBC, which is Alan trying his hand at something else. Okay. Oh, blimey, that's exciting. <laughs> because I, I love what you guys and Steve are doing with this character, because I don't think it's ever been attempted before, uh, which is... Basically, you're playing out the life and career of uh, a comedy character in real time and trying all these different formats and seeing how it works. And Alan now is as rich and rounded uh, a character as as anything I can think of, comedy or drama. Uh, that must be incredibly exciting for you and must, you know, must be something that wants, you know, that keeps you and Steve excited and interested in this character. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, we're standing on the shoulders of giants, really. The, the 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 brilliance of the sort of character development really was done before we came aboard, um, and for whatever reason, they managed to land on on this brilliant character who can go in so many different directions, and that's what very few comedy characters can do. Normally, yeah. they're sort of defined by two or three very distinct characteristics, which can be very very funny, um, but they perhaps don't give you the the lifespan and, and the and the variety of, uh, of of formats and laughs. So um, I think Steve as well is is such an amazing performer that he's able to play these contradictory characteristics, characteristics that normally wouldn't be able to exist within one character. Mm. And you 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 buy it because mm. he can be stupid, but he also can pluck stuff out that suggests he's quite well read, and he can be intolerant, he can be liberal, he can be you know understanding and horrible and you, you sort of buy it all and that I think that's what we're all like isn't it you know yeah. when you when you first start off as a writer you think right uh, so my main character I'll make them sort of nasty and then the, the sort of support character I'll make them quite nice and then you add dimensions as you sort of become better as a writer but to get to the point that Steve's got to with Partridge where it's so it's got 50 dimensions is incredible because that is what people are like we are just a mass of contradictions mm. and for you know if you wrote down on a piece of paper the sort of characteristics of a real person yeah you go well you never how can you write that that's like, yeah mm. and because alan is such a kind of uh, seething mass of neuroses and and kind of um bitterness and inadequacies he's constantly sort of trying different versions of himself to, just to see what will work yeah <laughs> so it doesn't feel contradictory to me that he might you know in in, in one minute be quite sort of metrosexual and liberal and, and you know metropolitan and in another couple of minutes be suddenly all sort of macho and quite sort of reactionary um, he's just sort of seen what will work because he doesn't really know himself and he doesn't really 
have the kind of capacity for self-analysis. So he's a, he's always um, making these sort of desperate lunges at what he thinks will will uh, look good on him, and obviously rarely do. So um, that always gives you scope to sort of try new things because yeah. Alan would try new things. Yeah. So uh, can you talk about the writing process on, on this show? I'm, I'm going to pick up a couple of uh, moments from last night's episode, the first episode. Uh, one is the extended toilet mime, which is genius. Where did, where did that idea come from? Some ideas, um, in some ways the most fun ideas are the ones where they were in a room together and they just, uh, over the course of three or four minutes, they just evolve from us all chucking stuff in. Other ideas might be one of us comes up with it or Neil writes it at home or I write it on the train but that that was quite organic one I mean I um I, I've I've tried, I've been doing that for years <laughs> <laughs> and when I when I say that to people they I assume they would they would have done it as well like I mean I don't go to the extent he goes to but I don't really want to be touching stuff in there no is that no is that just me I don't know yeah yeah it's just oh, yeah, you, yeah. Oh, okay yeah, All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I always that. go in tongue first on the, <laughs> the train toilets <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we we have. It's always it's always a bit odd to talk about process because we've never really landed on one. Okay. It's always a bit of a you know it's always a bit of a pell mell kind of mad dash to the line. But um, but I think because of that, we have kind of different. Um, you, you get sort of slightly different flavors depending on where the joke originates. So sometimes yeah. um, you'll write something sort of quite constructed and considered when you're at home on your laptop, which is something you couldn't do when you're just throwing ideas in a room. But, you know, you, you would never really come up with the kind of laughs based on weird kind of vocal tics and facial expressions and eyebrow raises and inflections when you sat at your laptop. Um, and so because we sort of go back and forth between those those two processes, yeah. honing it, yeah. um, we, ha- we it sort of gives us both of those laughs and we have sort of a, a higher density, I think, of, of, of laughs throughout a show because we, there's always two levels working. And does, does Steve then sort of gravitate lav, uh, because of the toilet? I guess uh, does he does he gravitate towards something like that? He go yes, I can do something with that as as a performer. He, no, he, he's often um, happiest with a, a sort of an odd piece of wording that he knows few people will pick up, pick up on. It's just generally, I think it's just what makes you laugh the most. Mm. And uh, for Steve, it isn't always a sort of big silly mm-hmm. being Alan stuff. It's often the the, the texture, yeah. but I mean, you, you know, we're also aware that if you just have texture, you might be laughing, missing, you know, the bit, the big laughs that a show needs. So you need you need both those things. Should we see? I think we have some. Oh no, I can't, because I don't have any Wi-Fi. That's it. Right. Anyway, I'll carry on. Um, <laughs> just went full Alan there, and I didn't really want to. In terms of this time, how? I mean, obviously you're aware of Annoying Me, Knowing You. And there, there are huge differences between that show and this show. Obviously, you know, you, you cut to uh, you cut to the show itself while VTs are on for the most part. So that allows you to bring in people like Lynn, which I thought was, was tremendous. Uh, there's no studio audience as well. And mm-hmm. Alan is in a very, very different place, obviously. But you must have been uh, aware of trying to avoid comparisons between the, between the two shows. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, ultimately you can't totally avoid them, but I think the starting point was that he, in Know Me, Know You, he was the big fish in the pond. It was, mm. it was his show, it was all about him, and here he's been parachuted in and he's the he's the, he's the new boy in class. And so I, th- I think um, straight away you see a different Alan from that. But also, as you say, it was just that the variety of um, the co-host, um, seeing Lynn, seeing Tim Key. I mean, we're sort of blessed because... Um, 
the performances from from the supporting. I mean, Susanna as the co-host, mm. I, I would say had the hardest part to play. I mean, uh, sitting alongside Steve, having to see the, the the sort of task we set her was: you need to be the straight person, but you also need to make the audience laugh. Which, um, you know, go. <laughs> and you don't really. We haven't given you sufficiently good lines to do that. Yeah, but she still she still did it. I mean. Um, it's a pleasure to edit her stuff because you watch the rushes and the, it's just the tiny, tiniest little movement of the of the eye or the sort of glance across to Alan just gives you so much and she gives you so much variety. So, mm. um, in- incredible. And then, I don't know, Tim Key is is. I mean, is there anyone else like Tim Key out there? I feel like he <laughs> is weirdly for a lot of people in the industry who know him and love him. I feel like sort of, in, in terms of the mainstream, he's still relatively unknown. Yeah. 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 Um, and he's sort of very, very carefully charted, um, sort of charted his own course through the comedy world, and gets many, many offers that he turns down because he only wants to do the stuff that he wants to do. And that, I think that is sort of that's quite rare today when people yeah. just get a sniff of success and they think, "I need to take that now." He's, he's. he's I feel like we we sort that. of guard him jealously. We don't want other people to <laughs> get on, which is why I never give him credit publicly. <laughs> He dog his wages if he. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't want him to get ideas above his station. But, um, <laughs> but uh, he, he can. Um, what I don't know how easy it is to, to tell from seeing him in in Partridge. But if you see his live stuff, he's, yeah. he plays a very different persona, yeah. and he's very much on the front foot. And he, he's you know he dominates the audience. And he scares the audience sometimes. <laughs> and and to be able to do that and to do the sort of grommet thing that he does with us. <laughs> Um, Not to be reductive about it, but basically the grommet thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I had never made that connection before, and uh, it's absolutely perfect. Um, at what point in devising the show did you think, okay, we can get Lynn into it, we can get Psychic Simon into the into the show as well? I think the the Lynn thing that that came early because we always wanted to find a way where we could um, mix the sort of the public Alan with the private Alan. Mm. Um, and also, I think we knew early on that we wanted the the Alan when he's with Lynn. We wanted to use that in very small doses. I think you yeah. get you get a lot more bang for your buck if you sort of hold it back a bit. I think when when we were doing mid morning matters, we at one point we wanted to have Lynn just sat on the sort of banquet seat in at the back of the studio doing a word search and just not be mentioned at all. <laughs> um, but you know, to, to get an actor to bother to come to a studio to do that is quite a big ask. So um, uh, we didn't end up doing that. But um, She's a, she's a window into Alan's life away from TV and away yeah. from the studio, and uh, because she's a sort of confidant, she he he doesn't he, he, his guard drops when he talks to her, and he'll quite openly mm. reveal his you know um, his worries and uh, his his small minded pettiness mm. in a way that he won't to other people who try and hide that. So uh, even, even if they're literally almost an earshot, he will he will just drop his guard. Yes, when yeah. he's around. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, Straight away, you get a kind of whole different, whole new avenue of stuff that you wouldn't get if you were just doing a sort of straight to camera sort of, you know, no me, no new sort of show. So it was basically sort of we wanted to have our cake and eat it. We wanted to have the the away from the camera Alan and the on camera Alan, and that just felt like a fairly convenient way to to do it. But also something that I haven't seen that much of before. It's quite Larry Sanders, isn't it? But yeah. I guess the slight, the slight sort of visual change that we put in was that the, the conceit is you see the action through the cameras as they're resting, as they're resting. Yes. The cameras rest. Is that a technical term? Yeah, they they they, they, they fall, don't they? They fall over gradually. <laughs> That's definitely not a technical term. Um, of course, you guys are are directing this now as well, and uh, and 
What's it like directing Steve as Alan? Because there are moments in this show where he will just throw in a line reading or an inflection, a weird inflection. He does it during the the, the toilet routine. That just slays me. That just comes out of nowhere. Is that something that you encourage in him or is that something he throws in? It's both, very much both. I mean, we 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 always... Some of it is just freshness when you've heard a line a few times and you get a bit bored of it when you just start saying it in a different way. Some of the weird inflection could come from that and you, and you suddenly go, oh, actually, just quite fortuitously, that's a bit funnier now. Um, but Steve is, you know, he... When you get when you direct to Steve, uh, he's unlike directing most other actors because he doesn't mind, and he's quite happy to sort of work with the, the tiniest, tiniest uh, level of notes. So it might be you're asking him to stress the sort of um, the second syllable of the fourth word in the sentence, and you sort of we won't let up until that's been done. He's quite happy to do that, or you know where you raise your eyebrow, that should be half a second before, mm-hmm. which might sound almost sort of pointlessly anal, but quite often because of the weird sort of chemistry of comedy, that can be the difference between a line r- really not working and being yeah. pretty funny. It, c- it can be that small, and it's quite hard for a, any performer to sort of take on board that that kind of level of minutiae because they've got. A, thousand other things to be thinking about in terms of getting their performance right um it sort of always reminds me of i think of a a, a lot of performers can give you sort of five different colors and do them really well which is an achievement in itself but steve's like the sort of dulux paint chart where every color has got 50 (laughs) sub shades and in terms of his, his vocal performance he can just give you all of those so it's a sort of pleasure to know that if something's not working and you think you know how to fix it, you can pass that on and Steve will be able to pull it off. Yeah. Because seeing the problem and passing on how you think it needs to be fixed are two things, but a performer being able to actually pull that off is a very different thing again. Yeah. I mean, some of it as well is is having to apply a bit of restraint as well, particularly when, when you're doing a scene that was written maybe nine months ago and you've all become a bit bored of it. <laughs> um and Steve will, you know, be trying out, you know, weird intonation or sort of mispronouncing a word, um, or just doing some odd fidgeting, and and that that will give you good stuff a lot of the time. But sometimes it can just look mental, you know. Sometimes you, you <laughs> chasing the laugh too much um, just takes away from you. You've got to, sometimes you've just got to trust in the core material a little bit. So. And, and, and after you. Um you're surrounded by 50 or 60 crew and they've heard it a few times and then Steve comes up with a new idea and everybody laughs but they're laughing yes it's pretty funny but mainly because it's new yeah and so sometimes our job is to say look Steve I know everyone laughed at that but we're not doing that because that's not (laughs) as funny as the one we've said five times and we need to move on so yeah 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 Um, and often as well I think taste wise for me and Neil we we were never really Partridge Anorak so much though we loved it I think the bits that we were never we we didn't massively love with the stuff with the bigger stuff and the catchphrase stuff and the daft stuff. Yeah. And so I think in what we've tried to do with Partridge, most of our stuff we've tried to sort of restrain that. So quite often our our note to Steve between takes will be, you know, it's good but just bring it down. Okay, interesting. I, I don't know if that came from us doing Mid Morning Matters, where it's yeah. very much Alan in close up. Yeah. Um. Like literally in close up, <laughs> and. You, you just wouldn't have got away with the sort of performance style of "No Me, No You" or "I'm Alan Partridge." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just would have looked like a man in a box, just being crazy. <laughs> so it, it it became very sort of granular and forensic at that stage. So I think we sort of just carried that on. We saw we've kind of established a you know a, a, a sort of 
flavour, if you like, that we don't really want to jettison completely. It just it gives you more um, more room as well because you know, we, for example, the the mock autobiography we did of Partridge, three mm. hundred odd pages. If that was all just big daft stuff. It'd be repetitive. Oh God, yeah, yeah. The first four pages, so That's as it was, that... it didn't get repetitive for thirty pages. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> the depth of the character is amazing. Goes off a cliff after page thirty-one. <laughs> uh, my tweet wall worked. My tweet wall is working. So I'm going to do a very, very quick fire. Uh, we got some questions from readers here. So listeners, readers, listeners, whatever they viewers, are. Viewers, what? Um, they're not viewers on this. This is wired up somehow. Um, so Beaker asks if Alan started the media as a young man today where would he work and what would his job be I don't know that he would even get into media today he doesn't he didn't have the right parents yeah I think there was a sort of um, when Alan first started off there was a kind of if you think of the sort of time blazer badge Alan there was a kind of um, establishment style to to broadcasting where um it was something that was looked up to and there were, there were no regional accents really um, you wanted people who were safe pair of hands nice brown voice um, quite sort of um, buttoned up mm. that was the kind of person that Alan was anyway it was a bit of a sort of fusty kind of you know old man ahead of his time nowadays it's sort of you know it's young people it's kind of there's a sort of uh, vibrancy to it that would put Alan off a little bit um, I, so I don't know that he'd aspire to get into broadcasting at all anymore really he'd probably oh god let's not get into what he would be that's doing not, that's what we've here all, all year um, the, uh, the film bubble asks why can't you swipe on the home screen <laughs> that's a, no it's a very good question it's a very good question um <laughs> <laughs> there aren't the, any more from him <laughs> no no that's it uh, the actor Adam Stevens who I believe uh, has a part in the show coming up uh, will they give me a bigger part in the second series The Shits <laughs> so, or has he just blown his chances of a bigger part in the second series is he calling us The Shits or is that the name he's given to the second series um, that's, that's go with whatever gets him a part in the second series <laughs> yes yes no Adam I think he played if, if, the, if the financial package offers is <laughs> Acceptable, then, yeah. <laughs> All right, there you go. Sorry, Adam, sorry. Uh, Julian Perkins asks a question I'm almost certain you can't answer. Will we get to see Michael in this series? Um, no. Can answer that, yeah. Yeah, no, I can answer that no. quite yeah, he, okay. He's... Um, I think you can sort of make an argument that, 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 that would justify why Lynn would be there, because, you know, <laughs> she's his PA, so she'd, she'd come to work with him on yeah. a live um, TV show. It's very, very hard to make an argument as to why Michael would be there, <laughs> um, even if he's sort of still in Alan's orbit. Yes. So no, he won't be. If sorry. He's still alive. Yeah. At Mighty Marvel asks, and obviously this is uh, going back to the days before you were the custodians of Alan. But ask them if they've ever pierced a foot on a spike. Have you? Have you ever pierced your foot on a spike? Um, or anything? No, no I never. dropped once. Dropped a, a breeze block onto my thumb. <laughs> um, when we were trying to it was a bad uh, writing session that was. <laughs> <laughs> we were young children we were young children yeah very very quickly Alex Boldwood asks what aspects of Alan's character from earlier iterations this feeds into what you said earlier on have you tried to downplay or reduce his right wingness I think his political right wingness mm-hmm. it was very much it was very in your face and Daily Mail and kind of obvious before and I think whilst it's clearly still votes Tory We've tried to sort of soften it. I think the sort of it, that also matches the, the slight change 
that we've integrated with him comically, which is that before he used to be that character who had no filter. The thought would come into his head and he'd say the uh, the thing that he shouldn't say. Now there is a filter, it's just that it doesn't work properly. <laughs> he tries to edit himself. Or he works it too well, so he like, starts fumbling around when he should just say what's on his mind. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I think the other thing um, is just some of his backstory... Not not that you know it didn't work brilliantly. It's just if you sort of compile it all together, you know that he shot a man dead on air, and he's been involved in a siege, and he was once trapped in a house by a crazy superfan. That that straight away gives him a very very interesting life that you yeah. don't really want an Alan type character to have. Mm. So we don't sort of airbrush it completely, but we sort of turn it down in the mix. Because <laughs> otherwise he would just talk about the fact that he'd been in a siege all the time and he'd True. talk about the fact that he'd, you know, once shot a man. And um, It's a bit like in EastEnders when Ian Beale is supposed to just be a guy who run, you know, owns a chip shop, but he's actually sort of had three or four attempts on his life. <laughs> so he lived in a bush for a while. And, uh, True. Does Ian Beale get mentioned much on the Empire podcast? Uh, this may be the 47th time. <laughs> pretty, pretty regularly, actually. Uh, I have to say, uh, Simon uh, Denton on last night's show did look, he had the haunted look of a man who not only was you know having a technical fuck up on live TV, but also he did have an air of a man who had been in a seed situation. I thought, that's nice. He's still haunted by what, what, what he went through. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think he uh, sees someone once a week. Um, <laughs> probably not the right person <laughs> No, I think almost certainly not uh, Guys, I've got to let you go, it's been an absolute pleasure Neil, Rob, thank you so much Thank, thank, you, thank you so much, thank you. thank you Okay, so that was Neil and Rob Gibbons and welcome back Now we're going to be chatting all about all things Alan Partridge And it feels right, it, it feels only right to start with this time Alan's glorious return to the BBC after it is 24 years away I, I think I think I walked past Chris Morris earlier on Oh uh, I, I should have shouted at him to come in and join this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he went up for it. <laughs> Bang yeah. up for that. Yeah. Sure, a podcast. He's known for taking part in, uh, you know, podcasts, chatting about characters he's associated he's with. He's one yeah. of the great Partridge scenes, isn't he? Talking about, far- he plays a farmer. Oh, yeah, he oh absolutely is. Yeah. 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 And of course, he's, he was there at the beginning. He was like, you know, kind of, not patient zero necessarily with Partridge. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I didn't, it might not have been him. And even if it had been, I didn't <laughs> shout at him. So that's fine. But let's focus on Alan and this time. Uh, you guys have seen two episodes. Chris, I'm going to blow your mind. I've seen the whole effing thing. What? <laughs> oh, I've seen all why. six episodes. That's unbelievable. That's why you should listen to the Pilot TV yeah. podcast. Because <laughs> Just Boyd brings yeah. the expertise. Oh, yeah. He brings the knowledge and the facts. Boy, did you know, for example, that Richard Belter holds the record? <laughs> I've heard, yeah. I only know that because I listen to every single podcast you've ever made. Yeah. And that fact is you. I've, I've made a lot. You could yeah. just listen to one of them and you'd, you'd get that. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> I do repeat yeah. an awful lot of information. Uh, so you've seen all six? Yes. Ah, mm. okay. Well, yeah, and, and I'm trying hard to, um, obviously, I, w- I will not spoil it, but uh, it's really interesting how it goes. <laughs> because... I'll say one thing about it. I was surprised by it. I was thinking, oh, I kind of... You think when you watch the first two, maybe, yeah. that you know there's an arc there developing between him and the co-host, uh-huh. Jenny, and, you know, maybe you feel you know how, what's going to happen yeah. quite soon. But actually, it doesn't really for the next couple of episodes. Um, and then suddenly, the sixth episode is a whole thing, right? That's that's how I would describe it. And it's, it's really interesting the way that the narrative develops and I think they, I think they've kind of, I think the Gibbons brothers, I credit them with, you know, sometimes in mid-morning matters, it felt like nothing much was happening. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Because effectively, it was Alan chatting away to Psychic Simon and the old guests coming in, yeah. and it was fairly low concept. Right. And then suddenly there'd be a little th- plot development, and you think, oh, they kind of smuggled that in. Yeah. 
Whereas I think with this, suddenly, in, in the, it's certainly in, the big th- big moments happen. You feel, oh, this is quite an important moment, and without you almost realising it, and then suddenly in the final episode, they all it all comes oh. to a head intriguingly. Interesting, because yeah. I've only seen one episode because uh, the my BBC account, I didn't know how to work it. <laughs> so <laughs> so they sent, me, they sent me two episodes. They said, we've put two episodes on your account. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to watch the first episode as was meant to be seen on BBC One on Monday night yeah. at 9.30. And I watched it and I loved it. And I thought, now I'm going to watch the second episode, how the Gibbons brothers intended on a laptop. And I couldn't work my BBC account, oh, which feels very psychic, Simon. That's very psychic, Simon. Um, so yeah. I couldn't do it. But, so you're, you're five ahead of me. Yeah. You're one ahead of no, me. Yeah, I'm one ahead. I've seen two. Yeah. I, I got to see them at the BBC, which was a very yes. meta experience. And there was a little sort of <laughs> soiree before with very Potridgean crisps, cheesy crisps. But yeah, I've seen, I, I actually preferred episode two to one yeah i think um, episode one is definitely like the establishing mm. this is what's happening this is the kind of show yeah. he's now hosting he's fallen into hosting and it definitely i mean i think it's brilliant episode one in terms of mm. I, I mean i laughed all the way through it's incredibly funny but episode two is absolute is something really special he's, i think he, he's kind of, partridge is kind of at his best when there's a little power struggle going on and they bring in a character played by simon farnaby yeah. Who, uh, I loved. I loved yeah. everything between those guys. Yeah. Now the other thing I have to say to make you feel it. Now not even I've seen all episodes. <laughs> how, how annoying is this? I was there on the day they filmed that episode. episode oh two. my god! Yeah. So I watched that being filmed, and that was unbelievable. That was yeah. one of the greatest days of my life. I was on the set of Alpha Papa. Not to. Uh, oh, no, that's good. To, I mean, that's uh, pretty good, Nick. For but, that. but I, got, I got to interview Steve Coogan in his Alan Partridge costume. Oh, that's which good. Was bizarre. That's good. All right. Okay. Anyway, um, that's, all, yeah. that's all. That's okay. all. That's all. I hosted that's all the <laughs> Alan Partridge. I am Alan Partridge. So. I hosted the Alan Partridge Alpha Papa premiere in Norwich. Okay, all right. At which Steve Coogan okay, turned up okay. in full blue Roger Moore safari suit uh, get up as Alan Partridge. He arrived in a helicopter. I interviewed him on stage and okay. I had to wa- I had to warm the crowd up in a car park in Norwich for two hours before Alan arrived. Well, wow. that's so, pretty so good. You Dusty, are, sorry, Alan. So you're saying you are the Alpha Papa. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, I hosted the BAFTA screening of Scepter Dial with Steve as Alan Partridge. Who Scissor came, Dial. Scissor Dial. In fact, yeah, that's I mean, well, be, you know it. Yeah, that's how well, I always get that wrong because it really should be Scepter Dial, but obviously it's Scissor Dial okay. at BAFTA, in which right. he introduced at, in costume as Alan. Okay. Um, and and then he did okay. it as himself with All the right. Gibbons Brothers. I've also, how yeah. about be this? Yeah, 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 I've yeah, been yeah, on yeah, News yeah. Night with yeah. Steve Coogan. Yep. All right. How about that? I hate. I hate live. To, I've actually been on Newsnight with Steve Cooper. I hate to uh, outdo you, Boyd, because yeah. that is impressive. Yeah. But have you interviewed Jet from Gladiator about Alan Partridge? <laughs> you win. Also, Bill Oddie. You. You've won. Yeah. We did Bill a thing when, when Alpha Papa came out in Empire. Oh, we did good. a sidebar where we talked to all of like Alan's oh, kind of heroes really in the show. Sue Cook. So Sue Cook. We didn't. We tried for Sue Cook. Sue she Cook. was too expensive. We didn't get Sue Cook. We did. Couldn't get Sue Cook. Uh, but Snubbed. we did get. We did get Roger Moore. Uh, Sir Roger Moore and uh, Jet from Gladiator and Bill Oddie. And I did a, I did a 25 minute I like the way interview. you went for Bill Oddie and Jeff and not Roger Moore. You got Roger Moore <laughs> and you relegated him to your I third think, I example. I think Jeff from Gladiator is more impressive, okay. weirdly. All right, I if you say so. It's, uh, it's more of a get. Um, but yeah, I don't know who's won what, in this Isn't contest. Roger Moore, isn't the story, to get back to this more, this time, isn't Roger Moore the origin of the joke about, yes, yes about Clunt? Cluck, uh, Clunt and Fluck. Cluck, Clunt and Fluck, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's a- who, who told, I think, told the story, apparently, so we hear, in his one of his autobiographies about Dinah Dodge's real name right. being Fluck and how there was a whole... Some, That's good. Yeah. Which, That's right, yeah. Some guy apparently introduced her on stage and he told her beforehand he was really nervous about getting her name wrong. <laughs> Diana Fluck. 
And then when he introduced her, he introduced her as Diana Clunt. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and Diana Doris cracked up laughing. Yeah, and they've taken that nugget, that little, and it turned it into comedy platinum. It's amazing, in that moment. That moment <laughs> yeah. in this time is one of my favourite moments. It's great. Of oh. all, I don't know, of all Partridgean times. I mean, but, you know, I'm sure we'll get on to how, what, how we rank it, but... The second episode is definitely even better because part, because of that guest, and you're right. And there's a whole thing that happens with the explanation of exactly what happened to the previous presenter <laughs> and what he was like is so brilliantly handled, isn't it? And he's got by the end of it, and Alan has this triumph. Yes, by the end, which is so because obviously you know fans of Alan are, are backing him in many ways <laughs> every so. step of the way, and it, the, the, that triumph is so unexpected, isn't it? I thought you're brilliantly done. Yeah. Um, I think by the time this comes out, maybe that second episode would have gone out, wouldn't it? I think. No, we're, no? It's, oh, okay. it's coming out uh, tomorrow, Friday. Oh, okay. In that yeah. case, you've got an incredible thing to look forward to yeah. on Monday of episode two. Yes. It is amazing. Some revelations come out, and uh, everyone is trying to downplay them, apart from Alan, who yeah. is trying to <laughs> use them to his advantage. Yeah. It's, uh, it is glorious. But I did enjoy that. The power star, I mean, knowing me, knowing you is obviously the, the kind of the, the precursor to this particular yes. series in a way of having the live format and basically a show imploding right. every time. And uh, there's a great episode uh, from Knowing Me, Knowing You, where he co-hosts with the French lady when they're doing yeah. it live from France. And I think that that's kind of inspired the setup for that. This in a way, but there's some there's some amazing moments in that as well. A bit, yeah. Although I think it, it also this do, this does trade very much on the fact that the, the 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 trope, if I can use that word, and I have of the older man presenter and the younger woman mm. is still so common on these this type of show yep. you know you get you get obviously pip schofield yep. um on on this morning there's a lot of this morning in it you get the you've got mm-hmm. you've got good morning britain with piers morgan you get you know all these old guys still get to co-host shows with younger women yeah um des o'connor had you know late that afternoon show on itv he did you know that it's and so i think it's as much all about that and so i've already seen some criticisms i think the daily mirror was the harshest a kind of newspaper criticism I've seen of this show and said, oh, you know, he just didn't believe the setup because why would the BBC turn to someone like Alan Partridge to co-host a show? I'm like, have you watched the one show recently? The kind of people they have on that show hosting yeah. when someone is away is extraordinary. Yeah. Right? Semi, barely famous. No marks. I don't want to name names, but... I haven't, there are I some, haven't done it, Boyd. No, well, you know, I, I, you, honestly, to me yet. they will get around to you quite soon. I've been on the one show as well. And it, that, also, oh, for the that lo- is... Oh, oh, why don't you just like your own Farts. But I haven't hosted it. <laughs> but just being there while it's being made and seeing the shambles that it is and seeing who's hosted <laughs> it when people are away, it's absolutely believable that yeah. they would even turn to someone like Alan. Yeah. Uh, you know, in and desperation. I like how they've tied it into Brexit as well when they've, when they've yeah. talked about this show that the, the BBC are confused and they're trying to appeal to this sort of right. sudden market they've realised are out there that they yeah. don't quite know how to communicate with the common man yeah. and so Alan is the face of Brexit <laughs> and I, I love that it's um, yeah I think it's very smart how they've how they've kind of yeah. contextualised everything yeah. I mean there are definitely elements if you, if you, well, you know if we go into the nitty gritty of, 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 of the episode you know of the first episode that, that, we've, that we've all seen there are definitely elements of it that, are, that stretch credulity I mean there's one bit isn't there when, they, when he does the VT about um, cleanliness and he's mm. wandering around Soho and someone shouts wanker at him which is <laughs> Clearly, like, a throwback to the glory day when someone called him a wanker yeah. in I'm Alan Partridge. Yeah. But, obviously, on a real magazine show, on the one show, they would not include 
booed for someone audibly yelling wanker at one of the presenters. But you have to give them poetic license. This is a comedy show. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they kind of use all... They're ready to use what I love about the Gimmers Brothers and, and Steve working together is they kind of use any and every comedic device. So there's slapstick. Yeah. There's a brilliant slapstick moment in episode two, isn't there, when he's among the audience. It's incredible. It's oh. a tiny little moment. and it's You should have been there, Chris. It's you so great. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's the miming the toilet ablution scene yeah. in episode, which is genius. Yeah. So there's those physical moments. There's silly, absolute throwaway stupid moments, like about, you know, the woman's name, hy- hygiene, and, and there's <laughs> him, someone should wank around. You know, they're not afraid to go high, low, middle. Everything is, is game because they want it to be as funny as possible. So, yeah. yeah, there are bits of it that aren't totally authentic realism, but yeah. how could they be? This is a densely packed... Yeah, joke-filled half yeah. hour of comedy. Absolutely, and, and uh, at the end of the first episode, which is, of course, you know, the only one I've seen, uh, <laughs> the end when uh, when Alan is pursuing the uh, the the hacker. I mean, no real show right. would have stayed with Alan. Right. They, they would have exactly. they would cut back to Jenny, but yeah. it's it's totally fine. Yeah, it's you totally you, fine. you go with it. You have to go with it, and unless you're the Daily Mirror, in which case you get up in arms <laughs> about the whole thing. <laughs> but maybe that that wanker joke on that VT is. A bit of a throwback as well to the idea that the documentaries that they did for Sky Atlantic, so Welcome to the Places of My Life and, and Scissored Isle, boy, Scissored, Scissored Isle, Scissored Isle, Isle. Isle. honestly, were, were produced and edited by Alan's own production right. company. Partridge Production. Sorry. And maybe, do you know Alan Partridge, boy? I mean, you, you say that you've been on stage with Steve I'm just Cooking, an old man, but... Chris. I'm, at my age, you, you, even though you, you've watched every single second of every Alan Partridge thing five times, you still can barely remember his name. That's the problem I have. This is true. Um, but yeah, maybe that's maybe that's a bit of a throwback to that idea. Oh, definitely, that Alan's almost yes. ending it himself, and yes. his quality control just isn't quite right. There Absolutely, at, yeah. at, at all because he somehow managed to get Simon, psychic Simon, in the show. How? Right. That, how? Right. So that you know they've they've, they've somehow given into that demand. Yeah. So you kind of believe, yeah, maybe they'd let him in his production company make the VTs. Or there's a rogue, or there's yeah. a rogue element in post production at the BBC who just hates Partridge and, and yeah. is happy to keep that in. But oh, yeah, you can I'd well like, believe yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love the psychic Simon stuff. His his wall of. <laughs> Video wall, the video wall, <laughs> and you can see that coming a mile off, but it's just brilliantly it's still brilliantly done. done yeah. yeah, and have you if you watched? Uh, I was thinking because I remember um, when I was on set, they were saying uh, <laughs> the, the video wall was the key to incorporating Simon. It was such a perfect device for him. And again, there is. If you, have you seen Peston? I watch. You know, if you're Peston on ITV, which uh-huh. is his now late night um, yes. topical political show, they have a video wall on that, and they have a, a, a social media course. And honestly, it's a really complicated video wall. If you think. If you think Simon's video wall is overly complicated and unrealistic, watch Peston because it's hilarious. You can't stop thinking about Psychic Simon's video wall because yeah. it is. Yeah. You can't swipe from the home screen. I mean, Psychic Simon couldn't operate the the phone lines in, right. in Nordic Matter, North Norfolk Digital. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't really have a chance with no. I love that level of dueling levels of incompetence. That Alan's on one level of incompetence, but actually has done TV, so he's kind of generally knows. But Simon is terrified isn't he the fear in his face yes. the first time you see him how have I ended up on this primetime live topical show with fucking Alan Barchi yeah. please bring back the seed situation yeah. I would rather be held at gunpoint yeah. than do what I'm doing yeah. now it's brilliant but I also love that that exchange we will start talking about other Alan uh, stuff as well in a second but I love that exchange as well because there's nothing I, I think one of my favourite things about Partridge is when Alan is doing a slow burn meltdown <laughs> yeah and at that moment where, where the psychic Simon is desperately, pre- you know, swipe, trying to swipe the home screen, then he, pre- he somehow gets himself back to the home screen again, and I'm just going, stay calm. <laughs> 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 amateur. 
<laughs> just a word amateur yeah absolutely oh, incredible yeah that that and, and tim key is i think uh, you know you have to credit them all with their choice of supporting cast is yeah. like tim key is genius his reaction shots mm. alone are phenomenal that's so, that's kind of extraordinary because they're not necessarily what you might expect and there's often tiny little carways to him yeah. throughout the series during the uh, during the toilet alan's <laughs> incredible toilet yeah. mime where he's, yeah, he's a... explaining how to go to the toilet on a on a pack train where yeah. you don't want to touch anything yeah and he goes on for about five minutes and then he, uh, he goes oh you, you can do the rest you can work out the rest <laughs> he's literally yeah. done all of it yeah. and they cut away to tim key yeah. at the end of that and it's beautiful just, his yeah. face is amazing and felicity montague obviously as then is, is extraordinary and then all of the guest stars all of the um uh kind of you know the fictional guests if you like um that yeah. appear every single honestly throughout the whole run is so perfectly m- modulated like the re- they are definitely performing in a very realistic authentic way i think and and, and just how they direct them how they pick those people it's so clever I so think. without giving anything away yeah um is it a revolving cast or is it is it new people each time they bring someone in or is it like the knowing me knowing you model where it's Patrick Marber and Rebecca Front it's and enti- each episode has a new as new guests so they and they're all none of them have been who, who, I don't think any of them have been on a partridge show before um so they're all new and you know you recognize that Jamie Dimitri's in one for example I don't I think that's I don't think that's giving anything away so Jamie Dimitri from stuff that's flats you know Rafa, he plays yeah. a a chef a TV chef um, and that all goes horribly wrong with um, with yeah. eating eating of oysters. That's all I'm going to say. And um, <laughs> so each episode has one or two guest stars, if you like, okay. who are playing effectively real life um, people that the kind of people you would get on the one show, basically yeah. those that level of guests, like Boyd Hilton, like me and yeah. you. Um, I've never and been on the one show. You've never been on the one show. No, oh. uh, yeah, just okay. just uh, film twenty, whatever it was. Oh yeah, you're practically until until, 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 until you I killed destroyed it. Yeah, you killed that show. Yeah, <laughs> um, the one show survives. So yeah, they're all a bit in. They're all roughly. In that realm i mean i have to mention one other example they showed so at the edinburgh tv festival there was a great um panel with steve um and, and his baby cow steve coogan steve coogan yeah. um and they showed a clip i think the first clip they ever showed actually this series anywhere which we weren't allowed which they didn't put up on the line or anything they just showed to the audience there was of this moment in a forthcoming episode maybe four right at the end where he's got a lookalike so they do a thing about professional lookalikes and so he plays his own professional lookalike. He's only been doing it for a week. <laughs> right. And he's an Irish, rural Irish farmer slash folk singer. And the episode ends with a, him playing a folk song, which involves the IRA. <laughs> and all I'll say is, I nearly coughed up a lung watching this. This scene That's is amazing. so funny. Oh um, and, and just everyone in, sitting there watching, all oh, right, is he really going to sing this song? Involving um, Irish politics. Yes, he is. I, I, uh, I know that song. I, I, it's, a, it's a good song. <laughs> it's a good song. It's, it's, it? ca- yeah. it's my ringtone. Yeah. It's very, very catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love what the Gibbons brothers have, have done with Alan over the last few years and the way they, they've developed him, the way they've applied the character to other formats, faux documentaries. The book show didn't really work that well, I would say, the one with. Um, yeah, I think that was a um, contractual obligation, I would yeah. say. But it's still funny. But still yeah, funny, it's but still, yeah, yeah, I agree, that, yeah, that, yeah. That format didn't really yeah. work as well. But. I can't think of any other character, certainly a comedic character, that, that they've taken this approach with, yeah. where one actor has played the same character in different formats and deepened the character and given real sort of 
life to the character over God now. Okay, it would be thirty years, yeah. I guess. Well, twenty-five years since. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be thirty years. You know, are, are you as enamored with that as I am? And what yeah. is it about Alan that that makes him endure? I think that's the greatness of the character. Is he works on every medium. They've found that he started on radio, went to TV. There are books, um, obviously digital radio. Um, I don't think there's been a Partridge podcast, has there? He's not hosted a podcast. No, there's a Ron they, Burgundy yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah, a new one, but but there hasn't been a Partridge one. I don't think he would understand what a podcast is. No, no. Um, there's been a movie. I guess he's coming back to TV, so it's not such a big step forward yeah. in that sense, but they found a way to do something fresh with it. But that's what I love about the character. He's always evolving, and he works mm. across every medium you drop him into. Yeah, I think it's incredible um, that 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 it, there, there, you're right. There's nothing like it. There's no, I can't think of any equivalent of you know. Um, I mean, Fraser's supposed to be coming back, isn't he? And, and so, in terms of yeah. longevity, but yeah. there's something different from someone popping up in whether that first show was in Cheers and then Fraser and then whether the next to this continual reinvention and just deep. I think what they've I do think they've deepened mm. uh, without not in, in in a wanky you know oh you know kind of. Way just they've just made him feel more real. I think as times wore on, and now I think particularly. So the thing that really annoyed me slightly about that one negative review that I read is that I think he actually I think he's never been more authentic. I think he's never felt more real mm. to me this mm. version mm. because of all these people. He's a bit like a bit of all of these different, you know, a bit Richard Madeley, a bit Nicky Campbell, a bit all of these kind of blokey presenters yeah, yeah. that they can they use, bit, and yet pure solid hundred percent peak Alan Partridge as well. Um, I think it's a brilliant job they've done. And it's funny. I, I think it's as funny as ever, if not funny. Mm. I think the density of the jokes has never been this rich. And, mm. I, and I think the um, working on the different various different levels he works on, it's never worked on so many levels. So, you know, it started out as like a kind of a spoof of a David Coleman-style sports presenter, wasn't it, on On yeah. The Hour and the Day yeah. to Day. It was a fairly one-dimensional but brilliantly funny from the start. You know, his voice. Uh, it was all about the voice. Mm. Um, and the stupidity, the stupid situation he's got himself into, and him being incompetent. Now it's like it's just the richest, funniest comedy character you can imagine. Yeah, working on every single level. And the moments of genuine pathos as well. Yeah, right. There's, there's moments. Uh, there's a there's a moment in the first episode. I've only seen the first episode <laughs> uh, where he re- remembers his granddad and has a little yeah. moment to himself. There's a moment in Welcome to the Places of uh, My Life where he has a bit of a breakdown and you feel sorry for him, yeah. which is which is strange because he's been. Largely monstrous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> throughout his oh, he's aw- he's an awful person. <laughs> he's really awful in almost every way. But yet you root for him. I think because you spent so much time with him. Yeah. And having him come back to the BBC, you're kind of on his side against this like monolithic corporation, mm. and you kind of want him to succeed. But at the same time, you don't. It's a really. I have a quite a complex relationship with the character. Oh, same. Yeah. You kind of like him and hate him at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Well, they and I think they very cleverly have the. So I think the way he treats Lynn has always been horrendous. Like yes. that's one of the worst things about him. Yeah. Because he because her love for him is so complete oh, <laughs> and, it's, it's, and yeah. Stockholm syndrome right absolutely then he treats her appallingly in return you know eight thousand pounds zero over the salary was from her. <laughs> uh, and, and and still now like she and she's been so supportive of him and I love those little moments that they weave in of her you know kind of desperately trying to you know yeah you're doing okay those those moments and b- um, being really hostile to anyone who to everyone else orbit. yeah yes. like just yes yeah. back off back yeah, exactly off. yeah um, so you've got her the way he treats her and then he's being treated as soon as this starts by the co-presenter by Jenny 
quite badly like she's definitely you can tell she doesn't approve and thinks he's a bit of an idiot and the way she steals his jokes mm. in that first episode immediately established that that kind of that she's she feels is above him so i think that's brilliant because you are rooting for him against her i think mm. even though she's kind of mm. she's i think she's not doing anything wrong but she's mm. definitely being disdainful of him and you think oh that's you know that's not great and then that i think that builds and develops yeah. brilliantly. well there's a realness to alan isn't there there's no phoniness yeah. i think that's the thing to like about the character is he's always himself and he can't not yeah. be himself yeah. whereas you see the Simon Farnaby character come in and he's all sort yes. of schmaltzy right. and show busy and Alan can't do that he can't do it yeah he's he, always hated that like he's hated of the BBC he's kind of he's partly you know standard Daily Mail you know BBC gravy train yeah, yeah but also because he does find you know he has a, <laughs> has a visceral objection isn't he to to you know London media types like yeah. us. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, that, that meeting he has with uh, Tony Hares in I'm Alan yeah, Partridge, yeah. where he, all he has to do is go in and just not say awful things. Yeah. Like he's got the job and he's on the cusp of victory, and he just everything he says ruins it until he's just he snatches yeah. you know disaster from the jaws of triumph. But it's it's a slow burn meltdown. You know that you could just see you could just see whenever he starts doing things like that that he, he's about to collapse. Yeah. Something's about to to give. And it eventually comes, you know, who do you think you are? You know, that, that is just incredible. Yeah. I think Coogan, I mean, I think there are other great comedic performances of characters over an extended period of time. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Kelsey Grammer as Frasier. I'm thinking of people like even Peter Kay as Brian yeah. Potter in Phoenix yeah. Nights and the various iterations that he played Brian Potter in. David Brent, I guess. Yeah. David Brent yeah. as well. I would, yeah. I would, and, and what Will Ferrell was doing with Ron Burgundy is quite interesting because mm. two films... An audiobook as well, uh, an autobiography. I'm not sure how much Farrell was involved with that, but now he's doing a podcast. Mm. So he's maybe looking at a sort of long form performance as well. But Coogan, this is world class stuff going yeah. on but here. The, I mean, the world building is amazing. I don't oh know if it's, it feels weird to use that phrase in relation to Alan Partridge, but there is world building. And Ron Burgundy is the podcast is funny. I've listened to a couple of episodes, but it yeah. doesn't make sense to me for that character. Why is he doing a podcast? Well, he'd be like, how has he ended up here? Yeah, yeah. The, the chronology doesn't work. Whereas Partridge, the, the genius of Coogan and the, the Gibbons, and even like the early stuff, is that everything makes sense. Mm. Everything ties together. This guy is just desperately trying to become famous, and he'll do on any platform. <laughs> but he feels yeah. he's entitled to. You know, you know, and it's such a great sort of send up of, of celebrities, really. Yeah, yeah, that's all he wants is to be loved and you know adored by everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I think the, I think they're so ruthless. That's the thing. I think I think they've, I think the Gibbons brothers have brought a ruthlessness to to it. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, it's completely done in conjunction with Steve, but I feel they won't let anything happen that doesn't feel authentic, as you say, and and also isn't funny. Mm. You know, even 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 those poignant moments that you talked about. Um, you know, they are so mixed with outrightly outright hilariousness mm. as well. Yeah. That's so well judged, all of that. Those those tonal shifts that's handled so yeah. Brilliantly, mm. but you're right. Though the, the, the slow meltdown things. There's, um, you know, this thing. You know, in the episode one, where he's talking to the reporter on the gambling in the gambling shops. Yes, and he's and he's and he's met her once before at the Pride of Britain always and spilt, yes. <laughs> spilt something on her. Yeah. So he, and she won't agree with anything he says. So that happens every single episode, right? <laughs> uh, it's not. So she and those are again like the, each one is a mini example of him building up to an expl- a little <laughs> mini explosion of frustration as he tries to get her to agree to something 
thing he says. Yeah. Smell my cheese, you yeah. mother. His, and they're yeah. so perfect, each one of those. Going back to Knowing Me, Knowing You, the, some of the interviews on that are just classics. The one where he's uh, getting um, aggrieved that the woman doesn't have any anecdotes or <laughs> <laughs> something interesting. Yeah. We, we just, use that all the time in the FR office when yeah. we're, we've had a particularly bad interview <laughs> or we're about to gear up to talk to someone that we know won't be able to say anything about the movie that they're in. It said here you had anecdotes. Yeah, he's got a bit of paper. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and it just, it's, he ha- yeah, he, he, he just bring yeah. all that artifice yeah. into the open. Yeah, and just which like, is still, which is, which is, which was at that, at that point. You're right. You know, a, a kind of making a very good point about the nature of TV chat shows. That you know how how they're prepped <laughs> and still yeah. totally valid to this day. I mean, yeah. you know, I love Graham Norton, but that show is totally, literally a collection of anecdotes from yeah. start to finish. And yeah. only one doesn't have one. I think it's a disaster. <laughs> he does a chair thing with them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, though, though yeah. But the, I mean, I and I still and I because I thought you were going to say this mid morning matters. Mm-hmm. Which some people I know I remember when it when it came out at the time. You remember it started as like a Foster's, you yeah. know, paid for mm-hmm. online thing. Yeah, uh, weirdly, and I think Steve. Right at that time, he hadn't been on air for ages, and he was at all in any form. And there was a mm. sense that you know he was slightly kind of um, over it, over it, or just like slightly frustrated by the fact that everyone was still obsessed with Alan Partridge and he's yeah. off doing these Hollywood movies and you know all these kind of shows. But I think now, what I love now is I think when it's all down. To, this is down to the Gibbons brothers. I think he, they're so reliable. They're so brilliant at at coming up with new Partridge stuff, that he's enjoying it more than ever. Yeah. I think he's absolutely loving it. And you can tell, and in that performance you talked about, that world-class comedy performance, mm. it, it's employing all of his talents, you know, all of his talents. So I think that bit, the toilet mime bit that from oh, episode one, I reckon ages. that must be something to do with him doing Stan and Ollie, where, you know, all of his, he's doing incredible recreations of mm. physical Stan Laurel stuff. Yeah. And I felt, you know, you must feel it's going, oh, I can empl- deploy it, you know, some of this stuff in Alan Partridge now and it's all there every, every but, element of comedy is there but it also feeds into his recreation of the opening of The Spy Love Me yeah there's an amazing bit in the Linton Travel Tavern with him and Michael shot he's going down <laughs> yes it's great uh, so there's 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 always been a, a physicality uh, yeah, as well totally. uh, as well as Alan yeah, you're which, right, yeah, yeah. which I love yeah. um, in fact the Gibbons brothers told me where that uh, toilet uh, routine came from but oh. it ha- the interview happened yesterday and I've already forgotten so <laughs> People will great, great, have listened um, to it, so they'll yeah. know. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be one up yeah. on us. With, so well done there. So well, email, email well Chris and, and let him know. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. please do. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be amazing. Uh, let's go back and talk about Alan through the ages. And okay. uh, when did you first become aware of, of Mr. Partridge? Was it on, for me, I think it was the day-to-day. Uh, but was it earlier for you, Boyd? I imagine you were uh, very much on I, the hour. Uh, I was on the hour, yeah, yeah. I would listen to on the hour. And I don't, can't even, I mean, it feels weird that I did, but I guess I was that nerdy in, into um, comedy. I used to listen to like, Radioactive, do you remember Radioactive on Radio 4, which was an yeah. early um, yeah, yeah. kind of sketch. And I think that's got me into Radio 4 comedy in just a minute. So I would listen to Radio 4 comedy. And there was a buzz about on the hour if you were a Radio 4 comedy nerd, um, even before it started. And then as soon as it started, it was clear it was absolutely brilliant. Um, um, and he and he was the funniest character from the start. I loved Chris Morris's, you know, overall kind yeah. of command of that show, and then the day to day. But Steve, but Alan Partridge was because I because it was I guess intimately bound up with watching terrible sports presenters and listening to a terrible <laughs> sports presenter on that show was was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. so he it was, was immediately the, brilliant. It was always the goal. Yeah. and he it was like he had done the visuals himself because it was just his face spinning around. And then that amazing bit on the day today with the World Cup. Um, yeah. Do you remember this? He's devised some kind of <laughs> yes, bizarre yeah, contraption, flags, but he yeah. gets sort of trapped inside it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, he was kind of, I was aware of him through the day to 
say, but I think the knowing me, knowing you was was the the moment where um, uh, that that just kind of blew my mind, and I fell in love with the character. The dancing girls that all are wearing Alan Partridge masks. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's ongoing feud with Glenn Ponder. <laughs> yeah, and the just, Kate Bush uh, medley, please. The Kate Bush medley, <laughs> medley. Um, just amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think those that show is a masterpiece um, of of not just individual episodes, but the, the stuff that builds, like you were saying with uh, the new show, that build little jokes all the yeah. way through. Yeah. And so he's falling out with people, <laughs> and yeah. there's stuff going on behind the scenes yeah. in between episodes. And, and it's the very first episode. Am I right in thinking, knowing me, knowing you, the very first episode is when they're waiting for Roger Moore to arrive. Is that, is that right? Is that the first right? one? I think, I think it, it is, actually. Yeah, I think, I, think it, right. I, yeah. I remember thinking had that. I think you're right. Yeah. Have, you, have you heard the, the story of uh, the fact that Roger Moore, um, yes. Roger Moore's dad... <laughs> So I t- we talked to Roger Moore about this, didn't we, Chris? On the we podcast. did, yes. But yeah, he told us that his dad uh, saw the show right. and thought it was real somehow <laughs> yes, and so called good. Roger to berate him for not having showed up on this chat show. Just... <laughs> See, that's beautiful. Because you never didn't you didn't know watching it lot as it went out whether they might get Roger Moore and he might arrive in <laughs> yeah. this show, in the thing. Obviously, I knew it wasn't a real chat show, but you still think they might get actual Roger Moore on but, to do the role. I mean, and so that was that. There was that. In like... hindsight, I mean, yeah, it seems so obvious now, but I guess at the time that was quite risky to yeah. for even for, yeah. a, for a comedy show to announce a big guest and not have them yeah, show up absolutely, and yeah. that sense yeah. of just disappointment yeah. is so tied into Partridge isn't it you know, he's he's constantly disappointed yes. and I think it's quite a bold way to start yeah. things are constantly going wrong he, he will thrive in, uh, under Brexit I think <laughs> somehow Alan will come out smiling on, on top that sums up a couple of things about Partridge that I absolutely love one is that obsession with Roger Moore which runs through his entire life and career and led of course to Steve Coogan turning up at the premiere of Alpha Papa which in Norwich hosted. which I hosted which you hosted did I mention, you mentioned I hosted that? Yeah, 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 yeah. in a blue safari suit uh, I came yeah. to the one that Roger wore in the, uh, the spy who loved me well I it's mean? a James Bond obsession isn't it it's not just live and that die live and that die live and that die, live yeah. That die. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess it's a James Bond obsession but Roger Moore is definitely his favourite isn't it Roger yeah. Moore yeah. is absolutely yeah. his favourite exactly well. so but right. it's the best Bond <laughs> well, that's a separate podcast, isn't it? But um, it also brings to mind how quotable oh, Alan is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we constantly we're constantly saying stuff in the Empire office, you know, like so and so is is still the chisic roundabout, all that sort of stuff. Constantly saying that sort of stuff. Uh, Boyd, you and I are big football fans. Yeah, and so you know that if someone bangs one at the back of the net from thirty yards, yeah, it, 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 within about six hours there'll be footage on the uh, on the internet of that goal and uh, with Alan commentary over the top of it going, "Shit, yeah, he's got a foot like a traction <laughs> and another one, yeah, yeah. twat, yeah, striker." <laughs> no, I, I do remember when Roger came. So Roger came to the Empire Awards once, and there was there were Chiswick roundabout jokes all night. I mean, it's impossible. Oh, uh, wow! Was, uh, I think he might have actually got stuck on the Chiswick roundabout. <laughs> did he embrace the, the Chiswick roundabout jokes, or did he? Oh, did he I don't think he, he was necessarily unaware. P- unaware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, he was likely unaware. <laughs> we were like calling him. Oh, yeah, but even like you're right. Yeah, the, the catch they become catchers, don't they? But I don't think they were ever. They were just things. Jurassic Park suddenly became. Yeah, yeah Alan. It's not the name of a film of a film about dinosaurs. <laughs> it's 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 an Alan Partridgeism. Yeah, now, Jurassic for me, Park. Jurassic Park. Back of the net. Inception as well. Inception. Oh my I don't think we we're able to talk about Inception in the office anymore. No. <laughs> Was Dan and Inception are the two? See, no. But it's a good point about Inception because Dan, 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 which yeah. is, I 
probably is the greatest <laughs> moment in comedy history. Not just the greatest Alan Partridge <laughs> moment, but the greatest moment in comedy. And by the way, I'm on a thing coming up in May called um, Britain's Greatest Comedian. Oh, are you now? With Stephen Mangan oh. on the Gold Channel. Oh. And I asked him about, of course, about him being Dan in that scene and said that Stephen improvised the whole thing. And originally it was just supposed to be like a couple of Dan's and then it was over. So he's, he's improvised 10, 11, 12 Dan's. That's a genius of Coogan. Yeah. Some comedians yeah. have stopped at four. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's carrying on, obviously, that makes it brilliant. It's past a point where it's unfunny yeah. and then becomes right. funny again. Exactly. Yeah. And then if you watch closely, you can see they're all trying to stop themselves laughing as he's, as he's <laughs> down 12, 13, 40 times. And then to, to then reinvent that with, yeah. with um, Inception yeah. in Mid-Morning Matters. Yeah. Again, I feel... No. Well, I was going to say, when you, I still think Mid-Morning Matters, for some people, is slightly underrated because I think there's so much going on in that show and that Inception moment yeah. is up there with the Dan moment. Yeah. Absolutely. My favourite part of the Dan moment is when he goes, I'll, I'll, I'll get him later. And then he yeah. goes in for one more. <laughs> yeah, one more. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Inception. There are, there are moments, one. I mean, you sound like you're more of a knowing me, knowing you fan. Boyd, you've been going to bat now for Mid-Morning Matters I have, a, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's I'm Alan Partridge. Sure, yeah. That is the, the show that can I consistently revisit. There are lines, uh, you know, <laughs> piss off, you're a mentalist. Right. <laughs> Which is a line I, I, I come back to quite a lot uh, and have said at me quite a lot as well. <laughs> uh, but the, there are moments in that show in particular. There's the um, the the end of the first episode of, of Series 2 where Alan has come back after his meltdown and they're showing the end credits of Crash Bang Wallop with a video <laughs> yeah. where he is turning in his fat suit, Alan, which is one of the, like, Fat Monica is just instantly funny. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's turning to the attractive lady dressed as a policewoman as the credits roll. Yeah. And he just keeps looking back lasciviously at the camera and then looking back at her. And I had to leave the room. <laughs> First time I watched that, I genuinely had to walk away from the TV set yeah. because I could. I, yeah. It had to stop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have to. And, and I'm Alan Potts where is monkey tennis, you know. And, oh um, my you god! Know, so yeah. again, I mean, that I guess that's that's must be one of the greatest. That's amazing of, of all. Yeah. I love him on his fried breakfast. I mean, the, the, fried bread, <laughs> big plate, yeah, the big plate. I, yeah. I may want distance between the egg and beans, but I want that to be my decision. <laughs> use, use the sausage as a breakwater. Again, I've said that many times at breakfast, and no one ever knows what I'm on about, but. Um, but yeah. That, yeah, spe- yeah, that's an amazing episode as well because that's the episode that does lead to the the Alan Uber fan, um, yes. and it has yes. that incredible cameo from Graham Linehan and Arthur Matthews, yep. as well as the two RTE executives who slowly realise that Alan is <laughs> a moron. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, bloody Sunday! <laughs> it's an incredible piece of writing. That yeah. episode, yeah, he's digging himself. Uh, he's at his best when he's in a situation. He, he's just digging himself furiously deeper and deeper. I mean, I think that's why I love Know Me Knowing You because it's just, it's a show, he's he's got it, it's his one, he, you can see in his eyes, it's his one moment and he doesn't know if he'll get another one. I mean, obviously he, he has because he's failed upwards, but um, every regular, he, he the little regulars, like what's yeah. in Alan's pocket and oh, he, he wheels on a, another Alan Partridge, he's someone who's got the same name, who yeah. just doesn't know what to say yeah. and is just confused by the whole thing. Yeah, yeah but is that John Thompson played, is that, he played, oh, he played another character, didn't he? John, they, 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 those of those kind of, you know, Coogan associates appear mm. regularly, yeah. yeah. But you know why I think, I think, I was thinking about um, uh, why I, I I think I actually do now like Mid Morning Matters even more mm. than I'm. A, I know it's kind of heresy to say. So I'm Alan Partridge is a, is an all time classic sitcom. You know, it's at the Alan Partridge sitcom. What more could you want than that? And I did absolutely. And I've seen it. It's probably because I've seen each episode so many times. You know, twelve 
I mean, a lot of people say series two doesn't stand up to series one, but I think series two is. Let's go for I don't like the bit where he gets himself impaled on a spike. Maybe because there's yeah, too much blood. Yeah, that's a lot to take I don't in. Like that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I felt that uncomfortable with that. But that's well. one of the all-time great Partridge line readings. You know, I've <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. So yeah, good. but I tell you why I love. I think why I loved um, Mid Morning Matters, apart from the fact that it was it was the return. It was the return. Yeah, was that I loved the beginning and end bits of Iron Man Apocalypse when he was on the radio. I love those yes. bits where he's in just doing introductions to the mm. songs or inter- or doing the handover with, um, what's his Phil name? Cornwell, with yeah. Phil Cornwall. Absolutely pa- perfect, those moments, because yeah. they recreated those awkward handovers on Radio 1 between Simon Bates and DLT, you know, whatever, <laughs> these egomaniacs. Those were so brilliant. So for me, Midnight Morning Battles was like them distilled yeah. the whole series kind of like starting off from that point where you get to see Alan in his radio booth. Yeah being shit and doing incredible introductions to ELO and OMD and all of that. <laughs> but you, you know, I just so I loved that because because I, I think I almost loved those moments rather than the big set piece kind of um, kind of things you got in the sitcom. Do you know what I mean? Those yeah. set be, the rela- those big relationship moments and keep your clubs away from his young it's seal. It, right, like those can be the, my all time greatest Alan Partridge moments. <laughs> right, you know I love those. And, 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 and mid morning matches just was that relentlessly. Yeah. Even just and the interaction with Psychic Simon is just constant relentless. Yeah. pure Alan. I must say, Psychic Simon has become a massive part of. But, yeah, but it was quite bold of them bringing in a new yeah. new regular character is quite a bold thing. But Tim Key is so funny as. Yeah. This hapless guy, yeah. But also, it's quite uh, the the relationship in, between them is quite interesting as well, because obviously Alan is the domineering force in that relationship and Papa, likes yeah. to be. He is very much the Alpha Papa when it comes to it. But <laughs> you also get the sense that Simon is someone he genuinely likes, yeah. And that's kind yeah. of rare for yes, Alan. Yes, that's like, very true. Yeah, he likes Michael to an extent, mm, but, but he's again, scared by him and yeah. slightly, yeah, yeah. He finds him slight too. But he obviously finds him weird and yeah. And, he's perplexed, he's I think, because like, yeah. he, yeah. he doesn't understand what he's saying half the time. Yeah. <laughs> but he keeps going back, even yeah. when Michael's working in the uh, in the filling yeah. station. I think he likes the fact that because he's he's sadder than he is, isn't he? He's yes. he's in a really sad yeah. place. Whereas yeah. Alan's, like, I'm I'm not as uh, whatever's happening in my life. I may be at the travel tavern, <laughs> but he is working there, and it's worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, Simon is like. I think he, yeah, I think he feels, yeah, I think like a kindred spirit. And Simon likes his sense of humour. That's almost unique, isn't it? That's unique To have someone well, yeah. actually liking and sharing mm, yeah. Alan Partridge's sense of humour mm. without irony yeah. is kind of extraordinary. And then yet not, he, Simon isn't a complete twat, is he? He's no. not, it's, it's a really interesting character, yeah, I think. Yeah. And uh, we, we should we should uh, wrap up by talking about the one thing we really haven't talked about, and this is a film podcast, so we should talk about Alpha Papa a little bit. Uh, I was, was on, I was on set of that. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but I hosted the premiere in Norwich. Yeah, I've heard you hosted the premiere uh, in the Norwich. Car yeah. park. And what uh, did you do yeah. to keep the audience amused in the car park? Did you do Alan Partridge impressions? Did you recite lines? What the fuck did you do? I had I kept going and interviewing people, and uh, some people have flown okay. in. Like one person had flown from New Zealand to be wow. at the Norwich premiere, and right, I had to go up right. and go. Well, what do you know about Alan? Hey, oh, right. give me your favorite Alan lines. Uh, okay. and that's Right, and every now and again we go come on Norwich give me a big cheer oh, I can see, see why they got you is yeah. there footage of this can we find it online I want to watch two hours of you <laughs> I, I went over with a giant magnet oh, afterwards I can absolutely see why they picked you yeah yeah um, um, but yeah I mean Alpha Papa was at one point going to be called Colossal Velocity yes yeah. and I kind of I yeah. love that phrase I so agree, much yeah, yeah. I wonder if that would have been 
I think Alpha so. Papa's good, but Colossal Velocity, yeah, Colossal is, Velocity is, uh, yeah. is the most fun yeah. two words to say in the English language. Yeah, but I think that, I think they did a really good job with the film. I mean, I think yeah. it's you know I, I wouldn't I think because it is a film, it's got a, it's got a proper structure of a film. So it's I feel it's not I don't go back to it as often as I go back to the others, the mm. other TV iterations. I would say, but just purely because you know because it is functioning as a proper film with a with a beginning middle end you almost feel like you know you you know where it's going that it has slightly fewer it's not as purely pleasurable alan mm. you know i must prefer the free form you know just messing about of 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 uh, mid morning mm. matters for example and 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 so but i still think they did a brilliant brilliant job and i know yeah. how hard that was if you if you yeah. i think it's on the commentary oh i also did a q and a with um with um oh, did you know? armando Yanucci oh. oh, at the armando. bfi yeah. about the film Mandy. Man- and he was yeah. particularly brutally honest about how tortuous the process of the film was above all yeah uh, and how you know endless reshoots rewriting and, reshoots yeah, restructuring sorts. of the whole story and all of that but you can't tell at all the finished product is is, is, a, is yeah. a really good really strong you know think how it could have gone hideously wrong and they delayed and delayed and delayed doing it because they knew it could have gone wrong yeah. i thought i thought they did it well i spent the day down on chroma pier Nice. Um, watching them, they had a little hub set up where the Gibbons were writing live. My elbow is in the film. Um, I was wow. I was asked if I wanted to be an extra, I mean, but then is, I got cut. <laughs> this is better than the Jurassic um, World. Well, I'm actually in Jurassic World. Okay. If you, you really say use a yeah, you microphone say glass, yeah. but you no, can, never I, actually been proven. I'm not entirely certain you can see my elbow in no. Alpha Papa, but that's. Okay. <laughs> can we mention one other thing for me? My, one other, yeah. which is up there among my all favourite of all Alan things are the are the audio books. Yes, oh yes, yes. So yes, the yes. two books, yep. um, I Alan Par- I, I Partridge, mm-hmm. and what was the second Nomad. Book? Nomad, thank yes. you, are extraordinary. And uh, honestly, they're so, uh, him re- for seven and a half hours each go. Pure Partridge, and and as you said, there's some poignant moments in in those. And some there's one I think it's in Nomad where he talks about how his how his mother overheard. The people recreating Sherlock Holmes. There's this like, gay sex moment. Do you remember this bit in Nomad? That's unbelievably rude. That's spectacularly, outrageously rude. And it's put in the mouth of his mum, like listening to these people having sex, and their kink is doing it like Sherlock, Sherlock and Watson, oh like upstairs in their house. It's absolutely. I tell you what, it is it's like there's because it's. I mean, they are really long, full length yeah. books yeah. in Alan's voice and him reading them out. You Cannot be yeah. brilliantly, but um, there's some there's more. I guess there's more unexpected stuff like that because yeah. they just have to find material, just a huge amount of material for this. Yeah. So it's like if you want almost peak Alan for me, are those audiobooks? Yeah. They're incredible. They're, yeah. they're undiluted. Yeah, pure undiluted. Hit of Alan, right, exactly. And I've listened to them on many. Yeah, uh, long... I listen to them constantly. Yeah. It feels right listening to them while yeah. you're driving. I'm listening like, to them right on now. Be right. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, That's why much better than this, of course. <laughs> the bit that sticks out in my memory is the Nando sufficiency system. Uh, <laughs> yeah. AKA NES, yeah. and it's extraordinary. It's yeah. this very lengthy passage where Alan is talking about how he, when he goes to Nando's with Glenn Ponder, um, yeah. like their strategy, and it's extraordinary. And the time that he only had spoons and he sort of used them as, <laughs> as sort of claws to pull apart the chicken. But it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with his system. No, no, I don't right. it's nonsense. No. It's a bad yeah. system, no, but, a bad um, system. but I'm, I'm glad that he spent yeah. a lot of time figuring it out. Yeah, Classic yeah. intercourse. Uh I think that's pretty much it, unless you want to say anything yeah. else. I will say one thing about the movie. There's a couple of moments of great partridge pedantry. There's yeah. a moment where he goes to the police station and, and corrects someone who pronounces the letter H as H, yes. which is <laughs> yeah. absolutely prime Alan for me. Uh, but honestly, his hair puts me off in that movie. Mm. Oh. It's, it's a bit too long. It's a bit too midlife crisis. Oh, Even yeah, Maidley okay. doesn't let his hair grow that long. It's, I mean, honestly, sort of that 
Partridge. Mm-hmm. They did, thankfully. So it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, yeah, his look, his look now, his hair, he's, the look now is, is brilliant because it's like, he's not too bad. The outfits aren't like, you know, when he was on um, Mid Morning Matters, he was, could wear anything, even though being filmed on the on the cameras. He had some awful, incredibly <laughs> terrible outfits, but brilliantly um, kind of believable. Yeah. And now, actually, he's kind of suits fine, isn't it? And the BBC are trying to rein him in. Are a bit hot. You can feel, yeah, him yeah. being reined in and to be professional with just the odd moment where the, like, the odd shirt is a bit too loud, but yet completely within the context of what those people wear on those shows yeah. Yeah. and the hair is perfect now I think. he's a man who was clearly bereft when BHS closed Completely. <laughs> something you know, yeah. just a part of him died yeah. inside yeah. he wasn't able For to sure. get anything else but uh, but I think on that on that bombshell that's a Clarksonism but I still will use it here on that bombshell a good note in which to end this podcast uh, thank you so much for listening to this if you don't already listen to the regular Empire podcast it is available every Friday do like subscribe rate do whatever it is you do and the Pilot TV podcast with uh, Boyd every week is also available uh, every Monday. Monday every Monday Monday which is a better day as we know than Friday do you Mainless, think? Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think people so. like to go into the weekend with the no, I think you need podcast. to start the week with a new, fresh look at what's happening in the world of I television. Know. Monday's Sideways the worst glance. day. Yeah, sideways glance. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> See, wars is more of a backwards glance. <laughs> yeah, but, backwards know, peak. It's fine. You know what? There's not. There's no war here, boy. We no, have no, no. reached oh, yeah. out, hands across the water, and we're all this friends. This has been absolutely beautiful for me. It's been golden, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has right. been golden. Smell my cheese, you mothers. Uh, thank you so much indeed to Boyd Hilton. Thank you. <laughs> yes, this is where you say goodbye. Sorry. Are you often this surprised that was with your a own podcast? pause, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a thank you and goodbye from Nick DeSemlian. <laughs> I was. Uh, I, I just did the just partridge did shrug. shrug. That yeah. was a good partridge, which I think shrug. is maybe the partridge uh, gif I see the most. That is brilliant. Yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing, <laughs> amazing moment. Um, because it just shows once again how completely unself-aware he is. Like he's been given this lifeline. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's head of cultural affairs. Well, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it important to me? Um, anyway, and it's also goodbye from me. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.